Today is Monday, December the 5th, 2016, and I can't believe this is already three weeks since I filed for divorce. Now it seems like the three weeks have gone fast, um, and we're still here <laughs> surviving it. Um, kind of had a, r a rough weekend, though. Um, Friday night... My daughter was rear-ended in her truck while she sat at a red light. This happened on a highway near our house, and I was about 45 minutes away at a friend's house. And anyway, she was rear-ended at a red light, and both cars pulled over, and she really panicked and was very upset. I guess it hit her truck pretty hard. It moved the whole truck, and... She immediately called me from the side of the road and was crying and very upset. And I was a little more curt with her than I should have been. Of course, I asked her if she was okay and all of this. But I said, you know, you need to call the police. You, you should have called 911 or 311 first, you know, before me. And I said, who was the other driver? And she said, I don't know. I, I don't know who they are. I haven't talked to them. And I said... We've talked about this. You know the procedure. What you're supposed to do is, you know, talk to the other driver, exchange information. You know, we've she learned this in driver's ed, and, and she and I have talked about it on a few occasions. And I guess when you're in a crisis situation, you forget what you're supposed to do. But anyway, um, I told her, I said, well, I'll come. I will come right there. Just sit tight. In the meantime, call the police. I'll be there. And I was a good 45 minutes away. So as I was driving there, I called Mike. And um, he doesn't take my phone calls. They all go to voicemail. And then he listens to the voicemail and decides whether he wants to talk to me. This has been going on for a couple of years. It's really annoying. But I called him several times in a row. And um, I left him a voicemail and said, our daughter had had a fender bender and that she was panicked and where was he because he might have been much closer than I was. Anyway, he called me back within a minute and I said, where are you? And he said he was working in his garage and I said, I think you, you can get to her faster than I can. Um, I was further away. I said, can you please go? She's kind of shaken up and she's crying and I don't know how bad the damage is or, you know, plus he's the car person. I don't know a lot about cars. She told me that it was drivable. So anyway, he went and met her and I was imploring her. We were texting back and forth to make a police report. You have to make a police report. And she said, well, I think my tailgate was just damaged and there was some scratched paint. Oh, in the meantime, the other driver left the scene. The driver had pulled over for about a minute and then left the scene. So now there's no driver. There's no other driver to exchange information with, um, which was upsetting to me because I thought, well, you know, now we have to turn it into our insurance instead of the other guy's insurance. So I was not happy about that. Um, anyway, I wasn't getting updates from Mike. I wasn't getting updates from Tori. And, you know, about an hour passed and I texted him and said, you know, please, what's going on? Can I have an update? Is everything okay? 
And he wrote me back this rather rude text message that said, go back to whatever you're doing, your gig or your friends or whatever. It's fine. I'm handling it, which I thought was rude. A more appropriate response would have been, you know, thanks for calling me. She's fine. It's all okay. You don't need to come. You know, something just, I don't know. But Mike typically is pretty curt and rude with me in text messages. And uh, anytime he has to be called from his garage away to do something, he's always pissy and annoyed. And he likes to let me know that. Anyway, I wrote him a text back that said, no need to be rude. Uh, I just was asking for an update. And so uh, Tori got back home and Mike, I guess, accompanied her. And our son uh, had been at a pizza place for an FFA social. Uh, during which time he left with another teenager and went to a store and went to Amy's ice cream and apparently thought at age 14 he could just go joyriding around the town. So uh, when I got home, and Mike and I had exchanged a couple of other curt text messages with each other, uh, he sent, I can't remember what it was, he sent me something back that was rude. And I told him to just go back to his garage and whiskey. So we we were not being nice to each other in text, but which is pretty out of character for me when it comes to Mike. I'm always polite and courteous and invite him over to see the kids a lot and am accommodating. If he asks me for anything, I try to meet his request as quickly as I can. That's true. I think all of my friends who have witnessed this would support what I'm saying. I try to get along. Anyway, when I got to my house, I was ready for him to leave, and he was there. And I walked upstairs where he was lounging around, and I said, thank you, you can go now. And he was pretty shocked, and the kids were pretty shocked. I've never asked him in three and a half years to leave my house. But I wanted him gone. I wanted to talk to the kids. I wanted an evening alone with them. I, I needed him, him to be gone. So he hopped right up, put on his shoes, and he said to our son, you know, I'll talk to you tomorrow about our plans and what, what time I'm coming to get you. And I said to him, you'll make those plans with me. I'm the mother. I'm the parent. You know, very often he makes plans with our kids, which is fine, but he doesn't put me in the communication loop whatsoever. So oftentimes I don't know what's happening until it's either already happened or until uh, the moment that it's happening. And he's really bad about this. He doesn't say, hey, I'm going to pick them up at this time or, hey, I'm going to invite them to do this or that. He doesn't share that with me at all. And the kids don't know whether he and I are talking, so it's created awkward situations over the years. So I reminded him that he needed to make those plans with me or he needed to keep me in that communication loop, which he did the next day. So after he left, I had a long heart-to-heart -heart talk with our son to let him know that he cannot just drive around at night with teenagers where I don't know where he is. He didn't ask any permission. 
the only reason I knew he wasn't at the pizza party where he said he was going to be was because his location services are turned on his iPhone. And um, I said, you know, who are you with? Oh, I was driving around with Paige. Okay. I said, well, I guess I need to have a conversation with Paige, who's 18, that she cannot drive around with my son, who's 14, without my permission. Of course, I would never do this, but, and he was, you know, mortified and said, please, you know, don't talk to her. That would be awful. We can, we can handle this just between us. I said, well, I don't know. Can we? You know, I've told you before, you can't just go around wherever you want to without communicating with me. So he promised that he would contact me in the future if he leaves where he is supposed to be. Anyway, so that was a stressful conversation. I had talked with Tori, who was very shaken up. She obviously had been crying for some time. I tucked them both into bed, and I put myself to bed. Uh, then the next day, um, we kind of went about our business. I got up, and I made the kids some cinnamon rolls. Um, I did some writing. The kids did laundry. We just kind of hung out at the house on Saturday. But Saturday afternoon, um, a friend of mine passed away to cancer. She was my age. She lived in the neighborhood where I used to live, and our kids went to school together. Her name was Pam. She had beat her breast cancer, and then uh, several years later, it came back uh, and spread all over her body. And we knew that she was going to pass very soon, but boy, it, it sure came quick. She has two kids the same age as my kids. They're in high school. And so that made Saturday afternoon sad. I looked at pictures of her on Facebook and remembered times that we had been together. And then Saturday night, I played with the band far away in Bernie, Texas. It's a couple hours away. And... Um, then on Sunday, we found out that one of Tori's favorite teachers, he was her fourth grade teacher at her elementary school, was killed Friday night in a hit and run. So it's interesting that Tori had sort of a hit and run Friday night, and also her teacher was killed as a pedestrian in a hit and run in Round Rock. His name was Sean Kelly. He was 43 years old and uh, loved by all of his students. He was currently working as a coach at Stony Point High School. And uh, he's originally from Iowa, so I have no idea if they will do a funeral service here or back in Iowa. But it looks like the kids and I could be attending two funerals this week. Um, life is short and life is precious. Every day is a gift. I certainly felt that acutely this weekend, and I thought, boy, I need to do the things I want to do. Can't sit around thinking about it. You just have to do it. I also happen to watch, I rarely watch TV, and I, I happen to watch this show called Chef's Table, and I've really fallen in love with this show. It is so beautifully shot in HD in all these different countries about these famous chefs, and I watched one Sunday evening about a chef in Patagonia uh, who does all this wild cooking outdoors. And a lot of what he talked about was how really you need to live your life 
on the edge of uncertainty all the time or you're really not growing. You know, if you stay in your comfort zone constantly and you just get up, go to your job, come home, eat dinner, get up, go to your job, come home, you know, same thing every day. What kind of life is that? And he, of course, it's easy for him to say because he's a multimillionaire uh, and he can afford to do something different every day. But I did, and I did like the sentiment he expressed about it's okay to live life with some uncertainty because that makes us grow and that makes us try things and do things we wouldn't normally do. And I, and I keep thinking about that statement and, and how, you know, I'm, I'm on the edge of doing this divorce and I've been so terrified, so scared and so dreading every step of it. But, you know, I know the only way out is through, and I know there's a lot of uncertainty, and I think I just have to find ways to accept this uncertainty. Things may not turn out great. They may not turn out the way I want them to. They already haven't. But if I could find a way to be more accepting of the uncertainty, I think I would be a lot better. And I think about my two friends who died this weekend, you know, um, They don't get any more chances, you know, they, they're gone. Pam is gone and Sean is gone. Both of them so young and um, both of them loved by so many people in their lives and all of their chances are over now. And I'm sure they would regret all the things they didn't get to do and Life is uncertain all the time, even if you're certain about what you're doing. It, there's uncertainty around us all the time. I guess we just sort of forget about it, otherwise it would drive us crazy if we thought about it all the time. But we've got to go out and do the things we want to do. Stop worrying about every minute of every day. I'll try to remind myself of that today.